Product Quest Podcast. Thanks for joining us on our journey to better understand innovation and product strategy. My name is Scott Burleson, and joining me as always, my co-hosts Jan Vermouth and Jonathan Edwards. And today we welcome our very special guests, Ronan Healy and Jane Hessian. This husband and wife team are the founders of the How Might We Design Studio. And their mission is to help be more creative, to solve problems, and if I could even use the phrase to innovate, by using something that many of us have lost touch with. Is that this power of play? A self-described researcher at heart, Jane has worked with entrepreneurs, corporations, and even the Irish government. She has a PhD in entrepreneurship management and is the author of Women in the Modern Workplace. Ronan is a true student of innovation with experience in agile methods, design thinking, systems thinking, and something that we like around here, jobs to be done. He's a highly experienced facilitator, advisor, consultant, and teacher. Ronan and Jane, Jane and Ronan, welcome to the Product Quest podcast. Thank you. Thank that was, you. That was, that was the best intro yes. ever. <laughs> I'm going to use that. <laughs> that was amazing. We're, we're available for hire. Oh, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for that. So just a couple of personal things uh, as we get started. So we, I think we did mention your husband and wife team. So how did you guys meet? And feel free to provide all the details you like. Okay. Um, I think we are what's known as childhood sweethearts. Um, myself and Ronan probably maybe met each other when we were 13, 14 years of age. Yeah, we had, Aww. you know, in a similar, similar, um, with similar uh, friendship groups and yeah, I don't think we started probably dating until maybe 17, 18. So yeah. slow burner for a few years. But yeah, no, we've been we've been friends for since we were kids, really. We grew up together. Yeah, I, I, I was single in college for one week. <laughs> and that week, that week, I didn't go out. I stayed in. And then I started dating Jane. So that was my college life. Yeah. And, and, and here we are many years later. Uh, two kids and yeah, a, a crazy business. A crazy business. Um, during it's a midlife crisis, yes, I think. Yes, during turbulent times. But yeah, no, we're 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 still here and we're excited for yeah. for the future. Now the world has reopened, which is fantastic. Mm. I was going to ask you about that week of being single. Sounds like not much to report. <laughs> yeah, if I could only create a time machine. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, tell us. You guys have, I think, is it two children? Is it three? Uh, two. two. Yeah. yeah we have a little girl, um, Anna, she is five. Um, she was born in Australia because we wow. um, lived in, in Australia for a number of years. And we have a little boy, Noah, who has just turned one. So he wow. is a COVID baby. <laughs> so yeah, we're um, hands, hands are full, shall I say. For sure. And yeah, I'm trying to you know, obviously run, run, run a business as well. So busy. Anna, Anna, um, we, we were, it's probably like any parent who's trying to force like sports. They want the, their kid to be like a, you know, a superstar sports player. Our daughter, Anna hates playing with Lego, <laughs> but now Noah is starting to pick it up. Mm. So we're like, ah, oh, yes, there's hope for this one. <laughs> we strategically right. place it around the house. <laughs> but it is funny. It's, it, uh, if you know, if we can segue into like our, our own use of the method, sure. it's not driven by uh, a childhood passion. No. Um, so nor, nor are we kind of bringing it home to play with the kids and mm -hmm. the, you know, yeah, uh, just regular parents who just leave Lego in the side. You know, it's it's not um, something that, like I said, is something we're we're thinking about all the time. It's mm -hmm. very much a professional thing more than anything. 
You totally you played. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, have you played as as kids? I mean, I I have vivid memories of spending. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I think it was definitely in my house growing up. Um, and yeah, I definitely, you know, played with that as a child. But no, I was never an, a, an avid Lego fan as a, as a kid. No, no, wasn't. me, me either. Mm-hmm. I, me I actually had a, a friend who was an avid Lego player and built amazing things like cities, full cities of Lego. And I was quite a, not very nice, actually. He was my best friend, but I, I actually used to go in and basically break his stuff. Which is, I don't know what that says uh, in terms of that's part of your, we'll learn about that. Is that part of the Lego serious play? But Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you beat me to it. I was totally wondering if you used any of your facilitation techniques or innovation at home, like how to organize the garden or around dinner time or anything, but not so, huh? Um, yeah, we get asked this question a lot. Um, yeah. yeah, look, I, I think obviously we're, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, obviously drill down on the method, but, you know, essentially it's a tool where people talk less and listen more. Mm. Um, and I think if we can bring those elements, in, you know, into our home where we obviously respectfully listen to each other, I think that's really, really important. So not only would you do that in the workplace, definitely at home. So, yeah, we definitely practice um, what we what we preach yeah in, we, in, in workshops we might not sure. necessarily bring like so it's it's a funny one in the in the work uh in the office that we're in we have built out uh our identity individually who we are what are our strengths what mm-hmm. do we aspire to um we've built out our the how might we as a system um, um so we we converse strategically ab- about the the company um and us in that and other um people we're bringing on board you know eating your own dog food is, is often you know championed in, in in innovation so definitely that there are there is there has been sometimes where we've said you know what i think we'll finish this mm-hmm. at home and we have built it out when mm-hmm. the kids are in bed because you're just you're on something you're like there's something out there it's emerging we're not mm-hmm. sure what it is we just can't lose it mm-hmm. um and yeah the process is, is really uh impactful for that it, mm-hmm. it, yeah it, there's this this emergence of, of thought um which we'll get to because it's an embodied full-bodied experience mm-hmm. i think even during COVID as well i know that i you know, found myself even at home, even using it just, you know, from a mindfulness um, mm, practice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, I see that obviously even a lot online as well, that a lot of people have actually moved towards um, Lego in the last two years yep. as a mindfulness t- um, too, which is, you know, it's, it's obviously very, very powerful as well. But yeah, I think it just frees your mind and gives you time to, to think and, you know, be at one with your thoughts as well, which mm-hmm. is very powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, I watch my own kids. I've got two girls, they're nine and eight, and um, they've taken over a room of the house downstairs with all their, it just started with a doll or two, and now it's a whole, there's kitchens, there's refrigerators, there's bedrooms, and it, it was sort of nice, actually, we sort of have them, uh, we can watch them play, but man, there is no, they never, there's no tiring of it. There's no exhaustion. They're just playing out these scenarios in their heads, and so just, sort of a real fundamental question, especially if you guys being in this, you know, play space, why, what are they doing? Why do children play? Okay. I got goosebumps. Even you yeah. asking me that, cause it's, it's such a fundamental question mm-hmm. that um, we think too many people just look at the method. Mm-hmm. And for us, we were always going further saying like, 
what is this? Like, what is, because it's called Lego serious play. And I, we would say, okay, what's, what's serious play? It's a category under which Lego serious play sits. And then what, what's play? Mm-hmm. What is play? And then that is just, that is, that is ultimately the thing that drives us um and has legitimized the method so to answer your question what are they doing they are um they are creating an identity themselves um they are they are um they're prototyping um so they're they're assuming a role they're role-playing their mom their dad they're a teacher they're a doctor and in doing so it's a very embodied experience you feel like a superhero you feel like a nurse would feel you so you 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 you're 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 essentially taking in a modality, uh, a way of feeling, and you're testing it, you're prototyping it, mm-hmm. and then you're putting it back out. Uh, e- even with just like being a bully on the playground, some kids test that out and realize, you know, this is the problem with internet bullying. You, you don't see the, you know, someone's eyes well up or, or cry, or you can't see that hurt in their face when you're online. When you, when you test out this hypothesis a prototype of me being a bully and then you get feedback you think i don't like that so so your so identity is fundamental to play it's so so core and that's why we think the method helps people transition away from a rigid fixed identity of them being an adult in the workplace and and then being a product owner or tester or or developer you can now assume and test and prototype an extension of your identity and what does that mean when you when you've moved from from one point to another and you don't want to go back you've a b tested it and you went you know what a is good for me b was my old identity a like let's see what let's see where i can prototype from from point a again so yeah identity is fundamental to play that's what your kids are doing they're also relating to one another mm-hmm. um, i'm sure they fight scott i'm sure it's not always perfect yeah. Right. Is that any different to the workplace? Mm-hmm. You know, like sure. Yeah, it's it's obviously around power and power you know, structure. You know, people are it's boundaries as well, especially hierarchy. Kids, you know, yeah, hierarchy. It's it's you know, it's for millions of years, play has been encoded in us as a survival mechanism. Yeah. Um, you know, when we say to you know many of our um you know clients when we you know meet them maybe before we you know deliver a workshop play is happening in the workplace anyway Mm -hmm. and it's just you know for a lot of people they don't see it like there's a there's a question we ask sometimes is anybody here scott jonathan or jan are any of you an oldest are you an oldest sibling you're the oldest sibling okay scott jonathan do you what age is your youngest sibling so i'll say jonathan first just what what age or how young how much younger is is well, well, no, what age is that your youngest sibling? 40. 40. Okay, Scott. Um, well, one I grew up in the house with would be uh, 48, but um, there's sort of another set of kids, and the youngest there is about 30. That would be, I didn't okay. really grow up in the house with. So we're all technically adults, right? Adults. Do you project in some way or see them or feel the childlike energy, even though they're 40 or 38 or whatever age they are? Do you assume the, like, I'm the oldest brother? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yes, we're all grown adults, but, and, and we're all, like, you could have, we could talk to your youngest sibling mm-hmm. who says, 
the youngest son or the middle is the more petulant one that wants to be seen. And the youngest one has just been looked after. So they don't want to do anything. But we are all led to believe, even though we treat all of our siblings differently, there's a hierarchy, even though they're well into their 40s. When we come into the workplace, everything is even mm-hmm. and we're all adults. Right. It's not. Right. You, you still walk around assuming you're, because uh, uh, I'm, old, I'm the oldest and I, you have a particular trait and characteristic in how you engage with people. Mm-hmm. So we don't lose this. But no one is saying it out loud. In a way, we kind of feel like, um, you know, when the, uh, what's he called? You know, the, 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 the king has no clothes. Sure. Yeah. Who called out the fact that the king had no clothes? Child. A child, yeah. The kids, the mm-hmm. kids called it out. That's what we kind of feel. We're like, you know what? Let's call out a lot of the somewhat Mm -hmm. BS of innovation Mm -hmm. and let's call it the fact that play exists in the workplace. Mm -hmm. It's happening. We, we are not that adult. None of us. Like how has adulting gone for the globe? (laughs) How's Uh, it gone? Yeah. Yeah. I've got a big star by the word identity. That's Mm -hmm. huge. Yeah. Um, and as an oldest sibling, something I've, I sort of always feel like I have to take care of my younger siblings, even though they totally don't need it. But I've always, I feel uh, responsible is not exactly the right word, but something like responsible. I just, I just, I don't want them to be in pain. I mean, I, I mean, almost like I am responsible. I guess I should have stuck there. But with identity, man, identity is huge. And if I, if we have a certain identity and somebody violates it, that is extremely um troubling and offensive it's um it's one of the things i think that's why um some conversations around um religion for sure are difficult to have because if you if my identity is in that or anything and you challenge that man i want to fight <laughs> you know it's, it's it's like it's the least acceptable thing to hear that something in your your perceived identity is is wrong or bad in some way and you know what the thing we like about Lego Series Play is that it hasn't been absorbed into um, systems thinking or service design mm-hmm. or jobs to be done. It's still out there hanging on its own. It doesn't have an it has its own identity. We want to elevate that identity, but we also want to tell all those other methods back off because we want to treat this as a, a third space. It's not like it's not like oh we're doing jobs to be done, but we're using Lego Series Play. We want to legitimize and say. This is an identity of an environment. Yeah. Because because what we find is we would describe methods and and frameworks as you could call them, like how many of you assume an identity by being a jobs to be done fan? That's your identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's not too far away from ideology as well. Right. And like if I said, oh, you know, Scott, your book was terrible. I loved your book, by the way. That's that's how we know each other because I contact you. But like all of a sudden the identity, like what do you mean jobs to be done? Have you seen my scatter plot? You know, have you seen the, you know, questionnaires we do? Like, and and, and we think there's so much ideology mm-hmm. in identity. And if we can get people to assume a, a bigger identity, a more open, playful identity, and maybe put these tools and methods aside. Mm-hmm. That for us is the social innovation mm-hmm. that Lego Serious Play brings. Because lots of people think, well, what's the metrics that we're going to play around with? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you can, but well, how do you how do you quantify identity change? Mm-hmm. 
and also as well, I suppose, just lead on around hierarchy. You know, I think, you know, we really believe that this method, you know, has the ability to flatten hierarchy mm -hmm. and it helps people on the margins, to, you know, to, you know, feel, feel heard, which is so important. And, you know, it's um, also, I think, really about making people feel less threatening as yeah. well, um, especially, you know, in a traditional um, meeting environment. And that's mm -hmm. what we talk to a lot of our um, clients about. What's really unique about our, work our workshops that we design is that you have to listen. All participants will be listening 75% of the time. And that's, you know, for us, that's incredible because it makes, it, it ensures that the more dominant personalities, you know, don't basically take over the meeting. I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I've been in many situations throughout my career where we have lost incredible voices in the room, people who are introverted, people who are, you know, maybe in junior positions, but have wonderful insights to share, but they don't feel that they're in a position to talk because it's being dominated by the senior managers or the leadership team. And I think that that's what's fantastic that, you know, for teams, especially now, um, you know, during these complex times, mm -hmm. it's one, and I think that that's one of the reasons why a lot of managers, you know, love, you know, working with us because everyone feels heard in the room and everybody gets an opportunity to share and they're non-negotiables so everybody has to participate in our workshops because you can go into you know we call it lean in and lean back in a traditional meeting you could be leaning back you're not really engaged a lot of the time you're waiting for someone to finish speaking so you can interject you can put your point across but really in our workshops as I said really essentially it's about people talking less and listening Listening more and creatively problem solving, you know, together. And we'll show you some images because, like, yeah. us talking is one thing, but a picture, yeah, a picture, we have a lot of images. Picture to, paints a yeah. thousand words. So, in time, we'll, we'll share that. Um, but it, it's an interesting uh, point that Jane said around, around management. Mm. We encounter, and I'm sure we've all suffered from it, or we've all, you know, worked our way through it, uh, imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And um, we, feel that this method or how we communicate it resonates a lot with managers who don't want to always be the leader and always the one talking. They, they want, they, they were good at what they did. And then they got hoisted into the, like the leadership position and they don't do their thing. And then now they're reading like how to be the greatest charismatic Superman hero leader. And they're like, Oh, yeah. this is me. So their identity is too far. They're like, I'm not a swashbuckling leader. I'm just me. I was like good at finding bugs in software. Like, you know, and now I'm leading a software testing team of 50 people. Like, so, so you, you, you know, we always have this archetype of like the big bad boss who doesn't want to talk. We don't encounter that at all. We encounter people that just say, I, I, I actually, I just want a chance to, to be allowed to listen without my, my, my identity being mm -hmm. like people seeing the fact that I'm a real person. You know, it's like that the method kind of like hides the fact that they're okay with listening. Mm -hmm. Whereas if they just stood up and said, I'm really happy to listen. But, yeah. and that's, but by the way, that's what we get yeah. the stakeholder to say at the beginning of the workshop. I'm here because I want everyone mm -hmm. to listen. Like listening mm -hmm. is number one. And then we get them to be quiet because we give them, give them about two minutes at the beginning. It's not a big diatribe of how you're an amazing mm -hmm. leader. Two minutes, boom, you've got to mm -hmm. speak about listening and then we're in it. We're just doing the method. 
Um, so yeah, imposter syndrome is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even we're, we're encountering uh, those um, very senior leaders who are, um, are probably transitioning out of the workplace. Yeah. Culture in, in, the, in the workplace has changed, let's just say from the 80s. You know, there, there's, there's gender pronouns and there's, there's unisex toilets. And it's just, it's a, it's a complex environment now. They don't know how, what to say or to have safe fun. And then we're saying, well, look, you're going to have a very strategic conversation. It's going to be, we don't do fun. Fun is the emergent property Mm. of of play. Mm. It's a, it's a secondary, it's a byproduct of, of people engaging and and, and connecting. Um, Some serious, serious issues that we're working with. Serious conversations. It's yeah. I think that that's really important as well. And it's, 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 it's an element, you know, that comes out of our workshop. But, but that to them is important because they're thinking, Great. I can laugh and joke and I've been holding back my identity and who I am for a long time. Mm-hmm. And if I can leave a legacy of some sort of change, maybe this crazy Lego series th- play thing might be a piece of that because mm-hmm. they understand the, the struggle. I mean, it's really uh, what you just, I mean, there are a thousand things I want to jump uh, uh, back into, but what you're describing seems really to be it, it, I mean, I've heard this under the title of being, for example, a humble leadership or something like that. So where you can, where you're kind of, uh, you're providing a format in which that has a place and which can, when it, and, and how it can happen. And and I mean, I've I've I speak regularly to to leaders who are exactly in that position. I, at least I have the feeling they have to have a direction and they have to play the strong man. But it's not it's not it's not what they want to do, and they yeah. somehow can't. I don't know. They struggle with well, how else? Because I, they're not being taught anywhere else how 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 to lead in a different way or in a less, let's say, um, authoritarian. I mean, that's a big word, but yeah. in a way. So I, I feel it's like a lot. What you're saying is a lot like uh, uh, you're liberating them almost to be to be yeah. themselves much more in in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, um, that we'll touch on in a while as well. But one of our tag, you know, one of our taglines is be brave, play. And that's really important as well, that there's an element of bravery that you have to have as a leader to, you know, roll out this method in the workplace. And along with bravery, you have to be vulnerable because you are going into a room, you know, basically telling your peers and your teammates, I don't have all of the answers. I'm here to get, you know, basically shared perspectives. And I do think that that takes, you know, a a certain element of bravery as well, that they don't have all of the answers and they want everybody in the room to feel included, especially now as well, um, you know, during, you know, for the last two years for managers, it's been incredibly difficult for them to, you know, make their staff feel that they've been heard and get them to think creatively Mm -hmm. when they're at home in their kitchen working by themselves you know especially now as well coming back obviously with the hybrid model and that's a lot of the conversations we're having with managers and some of our clients now it's it's a big shift back into the workplace because they have to ensure that if their staff are on site for two three days a week that it's meaningful it has to mean Mm -hmm. something when they're in the workplace and that's why obviously at the moment we, you know we're designing workshops with a lot of you know with a lot mm-hmm. of our clients um who are obviously rolling out the hybrid model for sure but yeah definitely in the last two years this has been really difficult for managers yeah this this seems to have really changed i mean before mm-hmm. covid we went out of the office 
to yeah. do something that's meaningful. And I feel like now yeah. we're so used to working from home that yeah. if we if we all go gather and go back to the office, it has to be that it really has to be worth uh, worth it. Kind of that that yeah. has really changed. Absolutely. Yeah. And Absolutely. we're empowering them. We're giving them the confidence that when their staff do meet in these unique, you know, in, uh, unique working environments, that it is going to be meaningful and that they can mm. collectively work together, um, you know, on, you know, creative problem solving and more efficiently as a team, really. And, and, and to be clear as well, the um, part of our kind of mission with this as well is to highlight very clearly, this is an open sourced method. You can Google it, uh, just or, or Bing it, or ask Jeeves if you want to go old school. Um, uh, and, and like it's there. It's a it's like a one or two page document. Um, we're not selling agile training. You know, I can get into agile training or like you know everyone has to get trained up in this thing and get certified in it. We are a husband and wife team. We're not looking for global domination. Okay, we're just looking to pay a mortgage, have you know a holiday, and happy kids. And also use opportunities like this as a platform to, to talk about how it might be, but also the method and say, it's open sourced. Mm -hmm. You can figure this out. You as a manager can go and access it. And if it's, if you're brave and you want to play and you want to challenge your identity, it's there. You can, if this is accessible, you know, service design, design thinking, it seems to be wrapped up in certification and you couldn't think about doing anything unless you did this. Go to Lego type in serious play, buy some of their pieces, look at the handbook or the little page thing and start. And we want this to scale. Mm -hmm. We want this to scale because, you know, Jan, you said it, there's people who are challenged by this. Like we know it, there's imposter syndrome. These human beings who are on the earth for a finite amount of time, like all of us are, are struggling with anxiety, stress, sure. depression, budgets, deadlines, KPI, like particularly if you're in the innovation field, like it's a terrible job to get into because the chances of you being successful consistently is so small. So eventually you're just going to be like, you haven't done anything that's created billions and you're like the attrition rate for innovation teams is huge. So we think in the innovation process as a way for your own mental health and a way to like... Mm -hmm. Like there's so much in terms of embodied creativity, but in, in terms of creating a space which is conducive to, to open and challenging dialogue mm. between innovation teams that helps your mental health, that helps you sustain innovation. This is the thing we don't hear people about, like, how do you sustain innovation? Yeah. In, like, you know, mindfulness and doing like yoga, fair enough. But like, what about with your team in a room? Mm -hmm. We don't think there's anything that compares to this. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't been seen. And we're saying it's open sourced. Yeah. And we're not obviously, we always say we're not driving for, you know, consensus with this, with this method. You shouldn't drive for you consensus. Know, we're not. As a team. What, we, we, what we want is just everybody engaged when they're with us you know, for, for that workshop. And I think, you know, from my own experience, um, as, as a manager, I knew that I used to get very frustrated doing a lot of offsites, you know, they were wonderful. You know, the food was great. The drinks afterward, <laughs> the hotel was yeah. fantastic, but I used to leave at the end of the evening and say, yeah, you know, that was fun, but what was achieved, you know, 
really was it any different than a normal management meeting on site the same people spoke i didn't hear from you know x y and z so what did i achieve and that's what i love about our workshops because as i said it's everybody has to participate and everybody is heard and you're empowering your staff as well because as i said there is no hierarchy in the room mm -hmm. you know we you know basically design all of um the tables where you know we're spreading out you know management we're not having people who are in the same team together we're you know making sure that everybody we switch tables and everybody is listening to each other attentively and respectfully which is so important mm -hmm. Um, so for me, I think, you know, for, you know, in my career many years ago, when I had, you know, some problems in my teams, I wish that I had known about <laughs> this method, <laughs> because I do feel now looking back that what we did need is everybody in a room and just empowering everybody to share their own insights and their own grievances, as opposed to, you know, brushing things under the carpet and, as a result, then people just basically and, blowing up like a pressure cooker. And and and, and I suppose yeah. that's to always add on. It's not just we're releasing 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 a pressure cooker and it's mm. group therapy. No, it's not. It's it's not group therapy. We're not aiming to like everyone point at each other just because you got Lego in front of you and you're like, okay, I built my Lego. Now you oh, it's issue. Your fault. <laughs> exactly. You're like, Ugh, okay, <laughs> we're done. Now nah, and you're throwing Lego at each other. Like it's it's not group. What what we will do is is get people. Again, we're not necessarily like big proponents of calling it mindset, because again, this is embodied cognition uh, in terms of like the mind is extended. So, like, could you maybe just uh, say what you mean by embodied cognition? Yes. I'm not yeah. sure our listeners necessarily would know this terminology. Yeah, yeah. Look, okay. So, embodied cognition is like to us now, it just feels like cognition, but but you know, because it's just a way of thinking. But um, there, there's you could kind of call it 4e sometimes 5 or 6e cognition but um to so number one is embodied cognition so really we are an embodied brain and um the kind of cartesian split it was described as rene descartes you know i think therefore i am um was was very much around it's a cognition i think therefore everything is formed reality and our body just kind of got left behind but um Every sense, like the, the touch of your fingers, like this is why Lego series play is so core. Using your hands. Mm -hmm. We've been using our hands for millions of years, building tools, chipping little flint, pieces of flint, grunting at each other. Because if you didn't do it quick enough, you probably couldn't kill an animal or skin an animal and the tribe, you know, would suffer. So hand usage is a part of your body. It's an embodied part of how we would think. You would create a tool using your thoughts and also to, to the, the somatosensory input from your body. Like we're, we're just a sense, make, like a data processing sense-making tool. It's not just your brain. So in terms of embodied, it's your hands and every other aspect of your body to help you to think. The really fascinating thing about um, tool usage is that in our cerebellum, so deep within a primitive part of our, our, our brain, in the limbic part, is where we use for motor control. We use it for motor control, generally our, our whole body, but for millions of years by sitting and chipping at little pieces of tools, like tool usage or innovation or creativity, if we call it, through enough grunting, there's a, a 
acceptation acceptation is is can be used not only in the human body but but any kind of biological entity is deriving something new out of an existing process an mm -hmm. acceptation from hand usage and enough grunting language emerged mm -hmm. millions of years so for millions of years we've been using our hands and our bodies to think and create language that's exactly what we do in our in our workshops mm -hmm. it's exactly what we do you use your hands to build an object to think and to communicate mm -hmm. they're lego that's so uh, it, oh sorry to cut you off just go, go, ahead. go. yeah I, I there was a, a presentation on your website which i I enjoyed and, and watched and, and you said something I really liked and I imagine it's very much related to what you're talking about right now. And um, there are actually two quotes. I, I thought yours was very nice. I guess it's yours. It's the tools shape your thoughts and your thoughts shape your tools. Mm -hmm. And a quote by Ronan Healy. <laughs> and there was another one by Buckminster Fuller, which is you can't change how someone thinks you can give them a tool to use which will lead them to think differently so is this kind of the idea here exactly the same exactly the same we we think we can speak people into thinking a different way like older brothers me being one how many times have you spoken to your sibling you really should do the thing now why don't you be better like oh, yeah. or you can give them a tool that's what you know we probably should like here's a specific tool to save money it's called a piggy bank, mm -hmm. you know? Oh, okay. Money goes in. Like it's a tool. Like, it, it's, we just, we think, and this is about leadership and management. We just like, blah, 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 walk around. You just read your like, you know, leadership one-on-one thing and you're walking around the office, blah, blah, blah. You have to give people tools to, to think differently. Um, for me personally, um, going, I mean, I'm discovering, um, serious play. I, I, don't know much about it but for me that's was really what you know uh made it click for me is uh when i when i read this sentence it really I, okay i really get that actually and um this idea that the tools you use shape how you think and, and actually it happens to me i just realized it happened to me the other day i was trying to do something which i had done on a piece of paper and i thought oh, i'm going to use excel to, to to do it and put it in excel and i ended up spending hours doing nothing because i started you know, make, oh, I'm going to make different columns and stuff. And, and actually something was fine. I ended up doing, you know, taking much more time because the tool shaped how I thought about the problem. I think that's a very powerful idea. Absolutely. And call it tinkering, right? Yeah. So when you're, you know, playing with the Lego and, it, and thinking at the same time. Yeah, you're so it's tinkering, tinkering, but you're thinking, you're thinking. But it's, again, don't go too cognitive. You're embodied tinkering. It's mm -hmm. a full-bodied experience. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, look... Prototyping, like, you know, if you look up, if you type in prototyping, it's all essentially like, like rubbish, essentially. People are just taking bits of rubbish and pro it's like, that's because, again, this is, this is um, uh, part of another one of the E's is, um, uh, well, let's call it uh, enacted uh, cognition in terms of like, we perceive action, we perceive affordances, they're described as affordances in our environment. And if you can use a tool, if, if you're embedded, actually, let's go embedded cognition. If you're embedded in an environment that has particular tools, there's a progress. You're like, ah, oh, tool, progress, tool, progress. And that's what prototyping is. You know, we're, we're sense-making. Again, this is the thing with us. It's, it's participatory sense-making. Mm. 
some people talk about sense making as if like you're an individual locked in your like like a terminator kind of like assessing you know <laughs> scanning its environment the relationship the environment that you're in is a participatory sense making um engagement we're entangled with one another our minds are entangled so, so there's the social environment that you're in which lego serious play creates one heck of a social environment you know again to jane's point like let's all go to the local golf club and all think differently during our offsite you're like wow that's radical yeah. you're like woo, golf club eh <laughs> like oh i'll have the club sandwich <laughs> you know woo, Mac, like oh well look at us innovating like or you can get in a room and be mm -hmm. adults and be surrounded by yeah thousands of pieces of lego What's and, that going to do for your and I environment think as well? Like or in-person, um, you know, workshops, which is fantastic because we're back, obviously, delivering mm -hmm. um, in-person workshops. You know, they're excellent at strengthening, you know, team culture, um, improving cross-functional collaboration, um, you know, amplifying creative problem solving. And I think that, you know, that's really, really important as well. Like there are serious issues. Mm that teams are working, you know, working together um, you know, to, to, to basically try and, you know, resolve any issues that they have. Yeah. And it's the environment. This is the, the environment. Thing we yeah, it's we think like we're all walking around with, I have my ideas and you have your ideas in your head and we're trading a sender receiver. It's, it's, we're utterly entangled in body language, in posture, in facial expressions. Are we moving our bodies? Is there a, a so affect sometimes it's, put into uh 4e cognition uh, so if it doesn't become 4e it's 4e plus a um uh so affect is like is the environment positive during your innovation process and then some people might go oh no it's we're very serious in terms of our innovation oh and you want people to take a risk in terms of their career to say something that might jeopardize their pension their 401k their credibility, like, oh, maybe we should be less serious. Now, how about you go all the way and be a little bit more playful? How about you bring some Lego in and see what happens? No, we couldn't do that. Like, so, and this is another thing we really appreciate with the method. We will send something out, like when we're kind of chatting, some, somebody will say, Ireland is generally a small place. Someone will say, oh, that sounds really interesting. I think someone would really enjoy what you're doing. This is kind of radical. I think they might need it. We'll either get a, a like a really enthusiastic response or nothing. Mm -hmm. And it's the nothing, it's a great prospecting tool because I don't want to have to try and like two of us convince people mm -hmm. to will you please come and play in the room? And yeah. then, if they're not, if they don't, if they don't want to be vulnerable, mm -hmm. that culture itself, like the fact that it the it's a it's a it's a canary in a coal mine, it's like a little multicolored canary. I might use this analogy more often. <laughs> it's a little multicolored. <laughs> plastic canary in the coal mine if you don't have a culture mm -hmm. or a boardroom that is conducive to bringing this way mm -hmm. of 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 being into the workplace and it's not for everybody and that's you know as Ronan said that's totally fine you know we're, we're not going to try and you know convince a manager to you know believe that what we're doing yeah, might benefit just... them so it takes a specific type of manager um who wants to um you know use or design studio um and i mentioned you know earlier for me the characteristic traits that i see in a lot of our clients is bravery is risk and is vulnerability 
Um, and especially, you know, during COVID times, now more than ever, it's so important that they have everybody in their team feeling heard mm -hmm. and feeling important and feeling part of a team because people have felt so disconnected for the last two years. You've tried to, you know, strengthen team culture remotely. It's it's very difficult, you know, and we've obviously had to, you know, do a lot of, you know, um, a lot of our work in the last two years um, remotely as well, but our workshops are much more beneficial mm -hmm. when we have people in a room. That's our business. You know, we help yeah. managers facilitate meaningful conversations that will help them thrive in these complex, you know, work environments. So it's, you know, very, very important for us that, yes, that we have, of course, the stakeholders on board at the start of the journey because you know we work very closely with um you know the stakeholders in the project it's not that they hire us and we see them in six weeks time and deliver a workshop every step is carefully designed mm -hmm. you know and also as well i suppose a lot of even you know some of my friends sometimes think that we're consultants you know oh you're like a consultancy we're not you know that, that that's not what we are we're facilitators and a lot of the time the answers are in the room mm -hmm. you know we're just facilitating these meaningful conversations we don't have all of the answers we you know we're not conflict resolution <laughs> you know resolution um uh strategists in the room but yeah we're we're facilitators um of of meaningful conversations mm -hmm. so it's interesting yeah. th thinking about it i'm just sort of i'm imagining one of your workshops and again this is sort of dangerous but i, I imagine that there's some folks that are excited like oh, i can't wait to play with these toys and i imagine if we look go to the other end there's somebody's like you know starting like arms crossed we've got serious work to do yeah. not sure about these toys this yeah. is not very serious and then probably um everywhere in the middle my, my question to you is for, even for that person that's really serious um or appears to be do they in, <laughs> In their heart of hearts, do you imagine that they really want to be that serious? They're just so, they love their identity so much, or, or is it is it is it um can they can we reach them? Can is there something we can appeal that would let them let go of that a little bit? Or in the or in the scope of workshop, is it just like that's just more than we can do uh, together in our time together? But are there so I hate to say it, some folks that are too so if we imagine a continuum, I'm ready to play. I'm serious. You know, along that continuum, um, uh, are there some folks that are too far gone? And and what what do you do to get those that are on the that could sort of go either way? If that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We we also have a, a play uh, therapist mm -hmm. part of our team. Uh, she's also a psychotherapist, and we you know Jane and I have gone pretty deep in terms of play therapy as ourselves, just to even legitimize what we do to a, another play therapist who might come in to to our team. And the understanding we have now is of those people who are like, again, this isn't absolute. This is not an absolute statement, but. Potentially, those people as kids didn't have play interactions because their parents probably didn't have play interactions because their parents probably didn't have play interactions because it could have been seen that play is frivolous. Mm -hmm. There's no point in having it. You've got to get a job and you're 14. Get up and look after your brothers and sisters. Like you don't know the environment. There's a, there's a really good book, um, Dr. Stewart's 
Dr. Stuart Brown um, play, and he opens with, uh, a, like it's a very grim um, story, but the reality is in, in Texas, I think, it, I forget the university, a person climbed with a sniper rifle to a bell tower in a university uh, and look, the sad reality is the first person he took aim with through the scope was a pregnant woman and continued to shoot and kill other people. This was back in the, I'm going to say, 50s, 60s. Mm. Dr. Stuart Brown was a relatively young man. They, the state just thought, we have to figure this out. How can so much rage manifest in this person? Turns out his history his dad, I think, was military, mm -hmm. and he had absolutely no engagement in terms of play. When they look back, he was a very awkward child who couldn't interact. So we are—we were very conscious of how we design our websites, our, our workshop, that we're not zealous around like, yay for play. You know, like everyone's going to love this. Not at all. And that's why, again, I think we bring a, a pretty deep and broad view of this because we want to be fully respectful of not just the cynic but potentially someone who is actually has a life history mm -hmm. and we can't we can't we can't we can't know that we can't account for that but if we see it we can have side conversations mm -hmm. and that for us is a pretty like if we can say it, it's pretty deep in terms of a facilitator considering yeah participants yeah and it's only through years of absolute like mm -hmm. you know dedication that we can get a, a, an understanding. But it is interesting, you know, when you're observing um, the participants when they come into our workshop, because I'll, I think like the majority of the time, the manager doesn't actually share with them um, yeah. that they're going to be using Lego. So they know that they're doing an offsite. Um, they know it could be around strategy or, you know, team development or working on specific issues, but they don't know, obviously, the method. And it is quite interesting um, observing, you know, people's, you know, nonverbals because the engineers love Lego. They're so <laughs> happy when they come into the room. It's like Christmas. They're like, really? An offsite? And I get to play with Lego? But what I do observe at the end of the day, when sometimes I compare, you know, certain individuals and their faces when they came in earlier on in the morning, they didn't look that enthused. They kind of felt like, is this, is this what we're doing today? I'm really busy. I don't have time to play. And then at the end of the day, when we get, you know, some feedback, a lot of, you know, um, the similarities that I hear is that was incredible because I got to share what I was actually thinking. And a lot of our other offsites, I never really got an opportunity to speak. And it was wonderful because I got so much, you know, out with with my team you know and that we were able to like have some great conversations and they were really really happy so for me was their face an indication of just their frustration at other you know offsites that they did and they were just a bit frustrated that nothing had worked for them so yeah it is it is interesting but once again this isn't for everybody not everybody is going to leave or workshop and say yay that was absolutely incredible yeah, I, um I think, we don't want that either I, you know? we don't expect it but also I, I think the important point as well is um having a kind of a systemic view or a whatever just like a service designer's view of like a journey mm. we never think one workshop no. is going to work like of course it's not like no. no one like that's ridiculous and i think anyone who ever 
like because you'll hear sometimes in you know lego series play facilitators it's all workshop hmm. singular they're like for us it's, not, it's nothing not it's not going to move the needle hmm. like okay maybe it might be like an ideation session like it depends on the context but if you want to embed a an environment mm -hmm. and that's not to say you're bringing lego back into mm -hmm. the workplace when we're gone but if you want to open up and mm -hmm. alter identities and have these more meaningful conversations which again we we i think as much as we obsess about our workshop or workshops journey it's how do we help managers and teams have cr create the secondary conversations mm -hmm. when we're gone to sustain the energy and enthusiasm and, and insights to lead into the second workshop. And then again, set mm -hmm. we more support, third workshop, more mm -hmm. support. Um, yeah, because we're, again, we're not consultants. We don't yeah. want to be, we don't want to be embedded in any company forever. You know? And I think that that's something that, you know, I'm really proud of that we, you know, work with our clients post-workshop. Um, and the support that we offer. I think that that for me, once again, going back on my own experience as a manager, I used to call them, you know, the drive-by shootings. I would get the strategist in for the day and I was frustrated. So I just wanted someone just to tell me that they could fix the problem and everything would be okay by five o'clock mm -hmm. because then I could report to my CEO that my job was done. Um, so it's only looking back now, I was obviously very, very naive. Um, but yeah, look, a lot of the time as well, managers who probably just want to do one workshop, they're frustrated and they just want someone to fix everything. Mm -hmm. um, as Ronan said, I think it's so important that we empower the manager to carry on the work because a lot of the time that's what happens. You know, you could do great work at an offsite for seven, eight hours and be really motivated, but how do you then carry on the torch back in the workplace? So, you know, that's something that we do, you know, um, work very closely with as well. And I think that that's, you know, a reason why we you know, continue to work with certain clients, you know, it's actually a bigger design consideration mm -hmm. than the workshop. Yeah. And because, because the minute you look at our website, you go, Oh, it's all about like the Lego and it's all about building a system. And mm. it's for us, we're not even a big zealot on systems thinking, uh, which we can you know, get into another area, but like, yeah, we don't, we, we don't see like a, looking at causal loops mm -hmm. and, and like building out the system is going to solve your team or organizational problem, it's actually look up off the table and, and see people in a different light and be more vulnerable and maybe put your budget down to someone else who might need it for some part of an innovation process or to help, you know, appease a, a client or clients like or change a part of their area. So like it's relationships. I think we become way too obsessed. And again, this has, is how we started. It's probably like we're not zealots about Lego. We're not zealots about the method. The method really is like the user interface. That's really what it is. It's the front end. It's the UX. And in the back end, it's the algorithm of, or the, the source code of what is play and mm -hmm. why do we play mm -hmm. and what are the benefits of play? Mm -hmm. That's for us is the, the core. Mm -hmm. And there's another part, which we're kind of our secret sauce, even bigger than that again, but we just want to, I want to keep it secret. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I've got so many notes of things to ask you about. But one, um, I feel when you said a few times that it's not about the Legos, I almost feel like 
you 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 are wanting to inoculate yourself against an ideology you're wanting to keep a little distance from the tool so that you don't become a zealot about the legos itself you want to stay a little le- above it which i think I think anybody that has any enthusiasm for any innovation method, period, even including jobs we've done, should be very careful uh, that because when we get when we embrace something too much, it becomes almost religion like and we stop thinking. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you about something you said about the real you want them to be able to carry on the work. How do you? And so I imagine when when somebody brings you in, probably the workshops what they're thinking, hey, we're going to do this, who's going to order lunch, I mean, there's all these logistics. But but afterwards, the workshops over, everybody goes home, you know, how, how, do, how do they continue that? How do you help them to continue on those breakthroughs or, or, or build on what they've done? You know what, I could quickly run down exactly what we do. And it's, yeah. it's kind of our IP. A little bit because it's, as we as we talk, Jan was like, "Please do." I'm gonna- I would love to hear exactly. That, oh, that was my burning question. Like, like, tell me how. <laughs> and and I think the point is, if it's non-obvious, it's because we've upset. Like, if you're like, "Can you explain what that is?" And it's because that's non-obvious. That's a step that maybe we haven't fully considered. Is like, that's because we're obsessed about it. <laughs> yeah. um, so so like, okay. At least put it this way. There is part of the conversation in a, in, a, in a series of workshops, but we'll say a workshop where we open and close a conversation in the workshop. Yeah. There's other parts of a conversation which we can open and pass on support for the management to close out that conversation. Mm-hmm. Where literally we describe it as handing a baton. Mm. It's a relay race. You gave us the baton for the workshop. Here's the baton after this. We're gonna take it back in workshop two. We're going to hand it back to you after that workshop. So it's a series of opening. Do we open and close? Or again, you could say diverge, converge, whatever terminology you might use. Um, so I, that's that's enough. I like. I don't. It would sound precious. Like ooh, <laughs> look at the Lego people getting precious about their myth. Like oh, I thought you're saying you don't have an ideology about it. Like and you're, ooh, it sounds like a religion. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> no, I just think it's one, obviously, of our, you know, service offerings that we take a lot of pride in. Um, sure. And yeah, we obviously work very closely um, with the stakeholders um, to, in, you know, ensure that the insights um, that were generated during the workshop, um, you know, are carefully communicated to their staff. We obviously have a follow up um, conversation, you know, within kind of a week of any workshop, you know, running everything through with the managers, our own insights, their insights, answering any questions and so on. And I think even, you know, from my own experience, once again, I never had that opportunity either. You know, there was some obviously, you know, great nuggets that some of the strategists um, would have delivered on the day that, you know, a few weeks later, I'm like, oh, God, I'd love someone to you know run that by me again so um yeah we're obviously accessible as well um to our clients and and like you would you, i see over the years people kind of championing um design thinking is not a workshop mm. and, and like okay fair enough if that's an insight but like for us it's like i know yeah i know that mm. like of course it's not it's a series of conversations it's like Mm-hmm. marriage isn't getting married mm-hmm. it's not like oh we had the one day and we're married it's like a series of <laughs> tumultuous conversations so like you know it's it's uh, certainly a design challenge <laughs> it's a design challenge yeah. very much so. 
and, and look, I think that is um, a part of, it's a, an area within the complexity sciences that we are very fond of. It's called complex responsive processes thinking. If I can point anybody who's watching this towards that, because I think it is very marginal. Like if you haven't heard of Lego serious play, then you most likely very definitely have not heard of complex responsive processes thinking. And we just, we're just playful in terms of what we put together. I think it's part of our spirit of who we are. So I just take stuff and I just like scratch it together and go, and then Jane will go, oh, I don't, I don't know. And then she'll smush like systems thinking. And so we've been playing around with our own kind of hybrid. And yeah, I just, for, for me, when we were speaking about conversations, it's so fundamental to us to use the word conversations. And it comes from complex responsive processes thinking. And they, the, 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 the view is that um, an organization is a series of conversations. Mm -hmm. It's not a rigid building. And, and I, like when we used to try and we, we would talk to clients, not so much about complex responsive processes thinking. Again, I always say it fully. I don't you need to be respectful of call it. Call it what it is. Complex responsive processes thinking. It's a mouthful, but I respect it so much. I'll say it. But you could I think oftentimes people would conceive of say like they would say, what is an organization? And they would say, oh, it, it's a building. It's not a building because look what happened in the pandemic. Is the organization still there? Oh, yeah, I suppose the organization was there when no one was in the building. OK, so what is it? What is the organization? Um, it's people. OK, people. Yeah. And uh, what else? Processes and policies and procedures. OK, which one of those do you think is the most important? Oh, it's people. Oh, of course, people. We're, we're, so if, if it's people, I would say systems thinking and, and, and service design focuses on process, like blueprints and journey maps and stuff. But if, and, and of course, you might say, oh, well, we use them to focus on people. Uh, that's a secondary conversation. But if an organization is at its core people, what do people do? They have conversations. Mm -hmm. So what is an organization? It's a series of conversations. It, it, it might be simple to understand, or it might be quite complex to understand that. I might have really you know, described it badly. So if it is a series of conversations, your ability to blueprint or do systems thinking and change the structure of it is more limited than you believe. And this is where complex responsive processes thinking was uh, a kind of a revelation to us because it's kind of part of our lived experience. Like I ran a construction company for a decade and all the processes and procedures and stuff didn't really affect any change. It was a meaningful conversation I would have with somebody. Mm -hmm. And yeah. from that, they would turn around and have that conversation with another person and it would ripple. But my ability to enact change was room by room. We all think we can build a system and point at the thing and move the stuff around. You're not moving stuff around. You're moving people mm -hmm. who are very complex and beautiful creatures <laughs> who probably don't want to get pushed around like you're like you're doing chess pieces so it, it zooms us down into what is happening in a room mm -hmm. i'm not entirely sure how i got to so uh, so i actually maybe because um it's a topic i'm quite interested in myself and my my question would be uh, if an organization is is conversations uh, then uh, i mean what generates these conversations where um, where do these conversations 
come from? I mean, that's a, that's that's a Jonathan. That's an amazing question because it's 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 the ah. Oh, so it's a good question. It's so the the you need to understand like where did it come from? Like where what did it start somewhere? Was there a start conversation to any organization? Where where did so there's no start and end. So you have to cons, you have to change your thinking of like. Where does it start and where does it, there's no start and end, first of all, like, okay, you might say, oh, the founder has gotten the company and okay, fair enough. But, but also you're, you're essentially moving into what is described sometimes as a milieu. You're just, you know, when you're onboarded and you're like, you're, you come into the company and there's thousands of conversations happening in the organization. There's pockets of culture and you're trying to figure out, okay, I'm a product manager oh i don't talk to them because they're they're the testers i don't talk to testers i'm gonna go over here to and you're trying to figure out where do you go in terms like so there's hierarchy there's in-group and out-group biases there's um power structures like there's just a milieu of things happening in terms of the conversation but some people might go well no it's the process and the artifacts that create these conversations but like we know you know, relatively pretty close family member who was operated on on the wrong vital organ mm-hmm. in a in a you know in a theater and like how many layers of process did that go through for them to operate on the wrong side of the person's body and and look you might say that's that's a one-off event but it is a one-off event in a highly regulated highly bureaucratized <clears throat> process oriented organization so mm-hmm. How much emphasis do you place on changing process and procedures or how much emphasis do you or or systems or or journey maps or how much emphasis do you place on helping people change their identity? Mm. And that's where we come in. Can I just add, I mean, I think this really makes me think because I... I think that experience, I, I share that experience strongly. I mean, in many companies, you, there is this distinction of where you say there is a formal part of the, of the company and there is all the informal conversations that are going on. And usually the power lies in the informal <laughs> discussions that are going on. And just as a question to you, I feel like we have a lot of tools and ways of how we can design and influence processes, but we don't really for conversations and, and, and how we relate to each other within a company. So it, I, I feel like it's, because we have tools to define a process and we know how we do this. So this is very Cartesian part. You can map it out and starts with A and it ends with B and we know how we do this. That's, I mean, that's what managers do, mm-hmm. but we don't really, we, we lack at least until now, really the tools to design this other part, this informal part, the relationship part that you were talking about. People describe that part as dark matter to us. <laughs> As in, like, it's the dark, like, as in, it's the unseen part of the, to us, it is the most radiant, brilliant part of an organization. It's people relating to one another. Uh-huh. That puts all of the process and procedures into the shade. Uh-huh. We see it completely different. And, 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 like, how is energy or how is light created through the milieu of interaction, through, through rubbing of, of energy and thought and, 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 you know, people doing well out of a change program and others not doing well, people getting budgets and not budgets. Like it's just the human spirit and the Mm -hmm. friction that's created creates this light, which is in an organization. Whereas other people say, Oh, that's the dark matter. That's the stuff that you can't see. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just we've been we've been locked away in this like Lego filled writing room as a husband and wife probably too long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so so if we can relate back these conversations to the 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 actual Lego um, series playing, I mean, how does that relate? I mean, these two things then, in your view. I, I, I just think you you can have more um, embodied. You can literally bring your more of yourself physically to a, to a, to the company. Mm-hmm. Literally, physically, you are now more present in the like. Hr talks about engagement. We need engagement. How about embodiment as a metric? Like, how much are our staff moving when they talk? Like in time, I think that could be a legitimate metric. Um, so how does it relate? You're bringing more of yourself physically, but also more of like you, you're seen. You get this vulnerability kind of pulls back the 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 what was it the um, what was that? Oh, the yellow brick road where the the wizard, uh, the, the, the man behind the curtain, behind yeah, the, the, wizard, curtain. Like the wizard of Oz. Yeah, and you we're just pulling back the curtain and going like, oh, it's a person. It's a it's a human. You're not a product manager. You're a dad or a mom or an uncle or an aunt. You're afraid of your mortality. Like, it's not that we're talking about these things. I think it, just don't get lost that because it's Lego. We're all talking yeah. about mom, being a mom and being a dad. And, but, but, but like, why does uh, why would the using Lego help do do that? In your opinion, I mean, why using Lego helps to uh, see behind the curtain, maybe people uh, lower their barriers and stuff. I mean, why does that work, in fact, in your opinion? Well, I think I suppose just to kind of obviously go back to the actual, you know, three-step method, I think Mm -hmm. that that's really important just to kind of obviously give you maybe an overview of a rundown of maybe a workshop and maybe a one-day workshop. There might be maybe six to eight bills throughout that day. So that's another, I suppose, you know, misconception that people might have. Oh, you know, are you playing Lego for nine hours? No, we're not. (laughs) You know, Lego is the tool to have the conversations Um, The three steps are um, build, share, reflect. So us as the facilitator, we will pose a question to the team. Um, We will give them a specific maybe 90 seconds or two minutes, for example, build a tower with the pieces of Lego that you have in front of you. So everybody is given the same um, amount of Lego. Everybody is given the same instructions. Everybody is given the same amount of time. Then everybody obviously has to engage in the process. So everybody is building, it's a non-negotiable. And what you see is incredible because what you see in the room is diversity. So what a tower means to me is very different to what it means to Ronan, to what it means to you. So it's like in the workplace, everybody has a different opinion. You know, it's diversity and it's managing that diversity and it's respecting that diversity as well, which is very, very powerful. And what you see is you're seeing other people's, you know, you're basically seeing other people's thoughts right in front of you. Um, And it's all about everybody having to listen to each other. And then everybody gets an opportunity to share. So everybody has to share their build. And then you get an opportunity to reflect. So everybody actually has to respect, re- reflect 
on the build itself. So that's really powerful in itself, that three steps, because, you know, as I said, hierarchy is completely flattened and you can never interrupt someone when they're speaking so you cannot interrupt them they have to talk they have to tell you know their peers about their bills you can never really question the person it's only questioning the bill so you might say that's really interesting why did you decide to use those colors what does that represent to you and then everybody has to reflect so in a normal um you know group setting it's really hard to get everybody engaged in your conversation and to hear everybody so as i said earlier on it's the people on the margins it's making them feel heard and that's where i think the tool is so powerful it's not oh you know we're you know what we're doing is incredible <laughs> you know it's so different it's the tool it's the tool that's powerful and it's us as facilitators managing these conversations you, you could also describe what we're doing is creating boundary objects mm -hmm. and a boundary object is a way for people to have a conversation and if the the object brings us brings the boundaries together so the object is a connector so it's a boundary object so your point jonathan around like you know how does it create these connections mm -hmm. and like so so it's focusing on a tool means we're not focusing on directly on one another. So even body language, like eye contact, body posture, like, so I'm, imagine I'm like the mega boss, like the big bad boss. I'm, I'm surrounded by Lego. I look like a bit like a child. I'm not normally like alpha. So Jonathan, what do you think about what's wrong with the company? And my, my eyes are, my eyes are like six foot high. You're looking at me going, oh my God, he's looking at me. Whereas now, like you're saying, oh, you're, jo you're Jonathan. You're like, oh, well, I look at you, you, you're, you can look down instead of directly at the boss. But when the boss is looking at you, or sorry, when they're doing their build, they're looking down when they talk. So, and also their posture is submissive. It's a very submissive posture. You're down at this. So the and it, it's not like, oh, after the one build, this whole, you know, wonderful magic cocktail of body language synchronicity kicks in. It's over an hour, over two, over three. Mm -hmm. And this is where we build in a more complex conversation as, mm -hmm. as interpersonal relationships or entanglement happens a bit more. And I, just to kind of finish off the question of like, how do you think Lego is different? I, I described as well as like, Lego is just the front end. It's like the user interface. The back end is millions of years of survival, millions of years of human existence, of play. And, 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 and there's a, a researcher, Yak Pansep, unfortunately passed away a number of years ago, but he was a pioneer in a, an area called affective neuroscience. And in affect neuroscience, um, he identified seven areas within the limbic system. Seven, he called them primary, the primary emotions seven primary emotions. And he was primarily working with rats um, uh, because when you're tinkering with brains, it's not going to work yeah. with humans. Okay. Just want to clarify that one. Um, <laughs> so, well, you yeah, can, but you shouldn't tell. You're in trouble. Um, <laughs> but, but what he would do is decorticalize decortic, uh, um, uh, the rats, so remove their, their neocortex and see what, was the, what were the interactions. And for millions of years before our neocortex came online, because um, the human brain exapted the neocortex, it was always there. Again, remember, exaptation, we, we derive a new function out of a, a bodily feature. So the cerebellum for language, the neocortex in time was exapted into the brain, into the, into the neocortex. 
In the neocortex, after decades of research for him, the play instinct just kept coming up. Now this neocortex, which is we always talk about it as the thinking brain, like, oh, you, you know, design thinking, service design thinking, systems thinking. And you always think it's like the prefrontal neocortex. Millions of years we've operated in a limbic and there is an implicit an embodied non-conscious thought. Because again, you're not thinking it. It's just a, a stimulus, an instinct. It's play. So Jonathan, like in terms of why is Lego? Why particularly Lego? It, it could be any thing mm. that engages a play instinct which is millions of years and then why do we play social engagement mm -hmm. building bonds for survival it's essentially survival and also survive and also to thrive so potentially to dominate another mm -hmm. animal or tribe so again it's not all like oh we're getting along from play you're also getting along to form a tribe to dominate how do you learn to dominate it's you rough and tumble as a kid to then rough and tumble and kill another. So again, it's why are we playing young mm -hmm. rough and tumble to learn to rough and tumble and kill in the future. There's no rough and tumble killing in our workshops, but there is a play instinct that is millions of years old that it gets enacted when you're engaging in this. Mm -hmm. That's what comes through at Lego. That's why we say it's mm -hmm. the, the front end. Mm -hmm. The user interface is using Lego. The algorithm, the source code is millions of years of survival, and it's been prototyped and tested by our ancestors, your ancestors, all of us. And we're here today, like talking to each other on little screens from, from essentially building a tool with, with our hands. Culture has been created, but through the hands. And we think culture can be recreated through the hands and through Lego in your organization. There's nothing different. It's cultural artifacts play instinct to relate to each other, to be creative, to be innovative, to be more embodied in the workplace. And that's what play is about. That's like it. Play, that's is play. About, play is about creating your environment. It's about creativity. It's about, you know, innovation. Um, you know, it's about playing with concepts. You know, we talk to a lot of our clients about, you know, play is essentially getting you ready for, you know, what um, we term the VUCA environment. So the volatile, the uncertain, the, the, sorry, uncertain. <laughs> the volatile, <laughs> the, un the uncertain, the, you know, complex, okay. the ambiguous, um, environment. And I think now more than ever, um, you know, we need to start moving into the abstract, you know, it's really, really important. But yeah, I mean, play is, is so powerful. Um, and it's so powerful in the workplace. And it, it's like the margins, like talking about jobs to be done, like, if you can shave a percent or two, uh, you know, or add a percent or two of like it being it's a product or service being better. What about people relating to one another and listening to one another? We will describe it as a social innovation. Mm -hmm. People would say, oh, this product service. And we're like social. Mm -hmm. It's a social innovation. It has secondary benefits of just positive interactions with one another in terms of brain BDNF, brain derived neurotropic factors, uh, the whole cocktail of human physiology when, when you relate with each other. But also in building social bonds, you're more likely to go against one another and say, I think it's a bad call. Mm -hmm. And you go, okay, well, you know what? We've built up enough of a relationship for me to go, okay, thanks for that. And, and that's what the innovation process is built on. Mm -hmm. But yeah. again, Jan, to your point, I think it was like, why don't we, why don't we talk about like team, like team building is such a negative connotation. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, we yeah, all yeah, went. Yeah. We the weird trust games. Yeah. And 
Yeah, <laughs> it's terrible. Like, you, yeah. And you go, out, you go out of context. You go out mm. to a field and you're, or you do dragon boat racing and you're mm-hmm. like, we're all a better team now. You're like, really? That was yeah. just, whereas you could do this in your room with a couple of like 50 euros worth of, or dollars worth of Lego for a couple of people and you're boom, you're in this totally mm-hmm. unique environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're engaged, you're embodied, you're connecting and you're also challenging each other. Mm-hmm. I have That's maybe, I, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I just, I think I have a quote for you that you, that you might want to integrate. I, just listening to you now, there is, I think it was Oscar Wilde he, who said the beautiful thing. So what is it that you should learn? I think he said, what is it that you should learn? If anything, take away from school is to play gracefully with an idea. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe there's, I, I don't know, maybe there's something in there for that. But can you maybe, uh, can you maybe elaborate a bit? I mean, you, you mentioned innovation, but strategy and so on. So what are, what are kind of the challenges that, 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 that you solve that is, that is method is, is that you use it for? What, 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 what kind of, what are the problems that I, I can solve it uh, with? I mean, we kind of obviously work with, you know, a lot of team development, strategy development. So um, do you want to take the guys through maybe the, you know, strategy development piece that yeah. we did over a number of workshops? Yeah, well, again, you can see, I, I suppose a quick way to, to zoom people into what is what you are doing. Again, forget all the neurobiological, interpersonal, embodied stuff. You could say, essentially, we're doing systems thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What pieces of a puzzle are you trying to put together as a team or an organization. And you could say, well, we're trying to figure out uh, customer customer personas. Mm-hmm. Okay, we understand that and we can work with you to try and figure out how can you build out this areas of person, customer personas. Like it, 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 we can be quite specific because mm-hmm. we've gone broad in our understanding of, of a variety of, of, of methods. Or like redefining your vision, redefining, you know, your... Mission, like, yeah, it can be obviously very, very specific or it can, it can be, you know, um, a lot of, you know, our, of our clients might be moving into mergers. They might be going through, you know, a big change management piece um, or then it could be very, very specific. You know, we want to redefine our vision and our purpose piece. Can you work with us over a series, yeah. series of yeah. workshops? Yeah. Uh, in terms of team development, it's a longer term process. Yeah. Um, again, I said, we kind of have a, have a secret sauce. Like if you were to go and read complex responsive processes thinking that secret sauce might be quite apparent. Um, so go and buy the book. He's very okay, mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> Books plural. Um, I, I would actually say if I can recommend Chris Moles, Chris Moles is a, a professor at the university of Hertfordshire. He has a book on complexity. It's around here somewhere. I could actually hear Maybe just going to re- recommend this. Ah, okay. Complexity, and he, he has another good book from a couple of years ago. Um, he is um, he is a part of the kind of uh, I don't know uh, thought leaders or embodied leaders, should I say, of uh, uh, complex responsive processes thinking. Um, um, how did I get onto complexity? Where was I going with that one? Talking okay, about your your secret sauce being oh, like, yeah. 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 complex. You were giving away your secret yeah. sauce, basically. Sorry, it's team development. Sorry, the yeah. team development stuff. Gotcha. Team development. I would like stuff. to bounce off uh, Jan's question and actually ask the opposite, which is, what do you think? This is uh, situations where this approach would not be appropriate. Are there any cases where? You wouldn't rec- recommend using if if, if, it's, uh, if it's if it's conflict if it's conflict resolution like if if there is inherent systematic you know 
deep rooted problems in the team. Like we're, we're not the people mm-hmm. for you guys mm-hmm. let you know, going off site and, you know, playing Lego is there's so many other layers um, that need to be resolved before they come into a room with us. And, you know, we have obviously, um, you know, had to say no on a number of occasions where our work wouldn't have been meaningful mm. because we weren't the answer to what they needed. B- bull- bullying, um, bullying, yeah, bullying yeah. is something um, we would hear the, when we hear the word bullying, we, we just think that's that's conflict resolution. Yeah, that's um, not us. Like, you know, people we find will we'll throw around toxic, you know, the, the culture is toxic. And then when we unpack it, it's okay. It's, it's probably not, you know, though I think the word toxic is just frequent too frequently used. Um, where else would it not be used? Like, so, uh, I mean, for instance, in school, uh, if you want to teach, I don't know, accounting or something, I mean, for, for, because, because I think you mentioned before this idea that um, uh, we learn through playing. And I was wondering I mean, this is a specific type of of play, and and uh, would it be adapted for yeah? To if I want to learn something like accounting or something, I mean, uh... well, interestingly, uh, so specifically accounting, uh, it depends on the context. Again, we're, I sound like a very much like a designer. Depends on the context, but like it does. Like, uh, are you? A two-year-old or a six-year-old, mm. but then six bricks plus two bricks mm. is equal, you know, to eight bricks. Possibly, if it's uh, you're in university, um, I, I'm not an accountant. I've I've mm-hmm. thought economics for a couple of years, and I, I I'm not a I was a part-time <laughs> lecturer, and I always knew I could I could rock mm-hmm. economics with Lego series play because you're you're building out like the economic system, the monetary system. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with systems. Um, there is logistics in the in the um, academic space. Um, I know for me, actually, sorry to interrupt you, but for when I did my PhD, um, looking back now, actually, it would have been not only an incredible tool from a mindfulness, um, you know, perspective, but, you know, for me, when I got my writer's block, which happened, Mm -hmm. you know, very, very frequently, um, or whatever, where I just could not see the wood from the trees, I was so close, you're so close to your research, um, that, you know, I, I, I found it so difficult to, you know, really leave my literature review. Um, that was probably the hardest piece of my PhD looking back on it because there was, you know, I just couldn't really, you know, get my conceptual framework right. I couldn't, you know, really kind of narrow down my research. So I know now actually looking back, I think it would have been, and I said this actually only last week, yeah. I said that there should be some more support available. Um, I'm sure there is now, but at the time so well, when I did my PhD, I think that they focus so much on, you know, SPSS and en vivo, but if they actually, you know, took me into an environment where I could actually just get out yeah. of my PhD and my brain. Um, I think it might have helped me. Or maybe I'm looking for excuses. <laughs> I don't know. No, but, no. I'm trying yeah. to get a PhD. I, okay. I'm trying to get a PhD done and I completely agree go. with you. So yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> Jan, will you promise us you will go to the Lego website, type in serious play and spend at least a couple oh, of euros and order. What what Jane is describing is a threshold concept. Mm-hmm. You have something, but you know there's something else out there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's and 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 this is the point where I was trying to make around our, our limbic, our very deep in our in our um, primitive um, part of our brain, where where it's close to language, our ability to articulate something. You know, when someone yeah. says, 
it's on the tip of my tongue. Like you, you're, you're stuck mm, and you so go close. for a run or you go for a walk or you go, you know, for a shower and it hits you. It's like doing those things is an embodied action. You're moving your body or there's an increased stimulation from a shower. So your body is now online a bit more. You've offlined your brain a bit and the subconscious neocortic or um, limbic is coming online yeah. in terms of, so when something is at the tip of your tongue, it's actually at the tip of your fingers mm -hmm. using Lego series play. I love so, and, and, and that's why we built our, like if we sound like we know what we're doing, mm -hmm. the majority of what's coming out of our mind and our bodies is the insight has been derived through building it out mm -hmm. and, and then talking it. What's so interesting, Ronan, is you're, as you're talking about Yes, how, he uses how, his I, no, I was only the tip the fingertips. Yes, he is always like this. And then I'm eating my dog food. I'm eating the dog food again. Yes. You know yes. what? But I tell you what, I wrote down a few words Jane said earlier about being brave, uh, taking risk, and being vulnerable. And yeah. above that, I what occurred to me is there's something about being authentic. Which yeah. Is scary. And but 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 then but you know what doesn't work? You can tell somebody's been through some kind of public speaking course and they're like, now for this point, I would like to say, and then we're going to make a big, I mean, yeah. it's, it's not authentic when, when it's, when they're just mechanically forced. So when they're in there, it's not at their fingertips, then it's somewhere yeah. you guys know the, the neuroprocessing better than I, it's somewhere in their, um, you know, conscious mind where they're controlling themselves and they look ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not yeah. authentic. Converse that with Ronan speaking right then, moving his hands. I mean, it's it's literally part of the communication. I mean, I feel like we're 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 um we're not just hearing you. We are we yeah. are we're just like yeah. taking in everything mm -hmm. you're communicating with your expressions, mm -hmm. with your with your hands, mm -hmm. uh, and, and everything. And, and Scott, we think again. I say we is like maybe other people traditionally think in an innovation setting. Ronan has an idea lodged in his brain. He's now translating it via words over to Jane. Remember I was talking about this like entanglement. Hmm. The, the, it's, it's all oftentimes it's how you are, you're expressing your idea mm -hmm. makes people more receptive to mm -hmm. being open to listening to you. Yeah. And we find that, that and we, we call it coherent communication. You could call it body language, but we find it's like, it's, it's a, it's a whole bright light of energy within the room that like it's not really actually happening but like we're just describing like this coherent communication once people become entrained or or are within sync with body language in mm -hmm. tone in posture not being so submissive not having to look at one another the ideas travel better because you're, you, and also your identity has been moved away. So you're not your, your normal self. You've, you've transitioned away. So you're more receptive. And, and if you think of like, you know, the flow state, you know, when it talks about the flow yeah. state, that's ultimately what we're, we, we all get into. It's a group flow. And that's how you design a website or a, a workshop well. You're like, is this a difficult build? Is it too abstract? What, how does it feel? We know that because we build out our workshops mm -hmm. multiple times before we deliver one. Mm -hmm. And we go, oh, you know what? I'm struggling with this. And if we know we've been doing this for years, I bet you they'll struggle with it. So we pull it back down. Mm -hmm. When you get into flow, your identity has, is, has actually become more like who you are, mm -hmm. less about who your role is. Ideas 
become you become more receptive to other people's mm -hmm. ideas but you can also if you have enough social value and and and, and some people call it psychological safety so again psycho again the obsession with cycle we think it's physiological safety yeah not psychological you can then go thank you for that idea and i'm going to challenge you on it mm -hmm. whereas if you're not engaged you just think mm -hmm. oh yeah okay yeah let's go with that yeah, let's go with mm. that. And then just let the workshop. Nothing open. happens. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing happens. And you're I just think, you're gone. You're at the door and you're like, I'm not doing any of that. And I think yeah. even I know, you know, from my own experience and my own peers and my own family members, you know, a key frustration with, you know, a lot of people and why they leave certain jobs that are, you know, well-paid jobs and you know, very comfortable jobs. For a lot of people, they get so frustrated with not having getting the respect that they deserve and not getting an opportunity in a safe space to share their insights. And you know what, for a lot of people, they just get really annoyed and they detach and they go into those meetings mm -hmm. and they zone out and they don't mm -hmm. care because they have literally checked out of the building mm -hmm. and, you know, on their lunch break, they're looking for a new job. And, you know, you talk, Scott, about the authenticity. And I think, you know, that is so important because, you know, the brave leader, the vulnerable leader has to be authentic. And Brenny Brown talks a lot about the interplay around creativity. You can't be creative if you're not brave and you can't be brave if you're not vulnerable and you can't be authentic if you're not vulnerable and so on. And it's so important. And I think it is a specific type of manager that will buy into this. And it is the childlike manager. It is the vulnerable manager because what you see in the room is people then will connect to you because if you're in the workplace and your manager you know has the imposter syndrome and they're very very you know i'm the ceo and you know this is my office and i'm not going to you know make any of you feel included you can't connect to that but when you're in a shared space where there is you know all of the hierarchy is flattened people will start connecting to you they won't see you in that eight hours as, oh, you're my manager. Like you are more important than me. It's, we're all equal and we all have the same opportunity to share. And there is no right and wrong. I think that's really important as well. There is no right and wrong in any of the bills because it's what the build means to you. Yeah, and you can always, you can always move around a build yeah. and, and it's a prototype. So people can then start prototyping bills as opposed to going, no, Jonathan, I don't really, you know, I think your idea is wrong. You're like, okay, what if we, what if we move? Okay. What if we can, we can work with this. And, and this is the thing as well. Like oftentimes they're called mental models. Again, you can kind of get into the fact that probably doesn't exist a mental model, but if you imagine a Lego, it's a mental model. Okay, mental models is a system thinking kind of terminology. It's like we're all traveling around with mental models. We're, we're probably not. Um, but in a workshop, you're creating a mental model which can be moved around. And it's, it, it becomes less your idea. You become less detached because it, it just normally my idea came out of my body and I put it to somebody else and then they rejected it. Whereas my idea, I built it out. It's out of me. It's away from me. It's in front of me. And somebody's not disagreeing. We can, we can work on bits of it. We can change bits yeah. of it. And, and, and that's where the, this receptivity kind of, it works. And again, oh, uh, yeah. No, sorry about that. Um, yeah, you were talking about um, 
the different benefits of of this approach and um, also enabling maybe more challenging questions, etc. So I'm I'm going to ask a bit of a sneaky challenging question, um, which is basically so um, flattening hierarchy, uh, allowing things that are maybe unsaid to come out. I think these are all things we've discussed that this this type of approach may enable. Um, I think you, you also went into why this, uh, this works and you've been talking now about mental models, which um, uh, is also a, a way that we can, that, that will structure how we communicate between each other. And so having these mental models out there in the Lego changes the way we communicate. And these hierarchies and these uh, things that are not said and hidden, uh, obviously this is a, somehow appears, I would not say it's necessarily a conversational issue per se, but it, it definitely comes through in the conversations and in how we communicate. So my tricky question comes in now, which is, in your opinion, um, the this approach is it because it does it work because of the novelty because it breaks down the usual way people have to communicate or does it uh, actually uh, and you've kind of responded to this already but i think it's an interesting question or, or, or is it really in essence a very different approach or said differently if for instance people would do these workshops every other day would you see the same hierarchies and the same issues creep up again because people will adapt to this new form of communicating and reestablish old um, problems? So quick answer, we think yes. Mm -hmm. um, it's down to just our, 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 our makeup. Um, it's called a hedonic expectation. You know, we just, we want more and more and more. We're built, we're consumers, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the human beings. Um, so like if you do it too many times, anything's going to lose its novelty. Yeah. You know, you tr probably transition into addiction. You know, if it's no longer serving you, why would you do it? So that's where we will ensure that if it's a continuation with a client, we throttle back and go, there is no Lego now. Is that well, we need to cleanse the, the dopamine hit that people are, are kind of expecting or, or probably have, you know, exhausted the dopamine of, in terms of Lego series play. A absolutely. Um, also, like, will it eventually change back to normal? Again, depends on the context, but we're not selling this or pitching it that it's now going to transform yeah. the hierarchy because ultimately as well, the hierarchy is set, and this is the thing. Okay, I'll just finish. The hierarchy is set as, as an organizational structure. It's set. So you're not like, unless you're doing a reorg, something has to change. And, and, and Jan said, okay, there's the organizational structure, but then there's the, the, um, the social kind of connections, which are yeah. really how it, how it works. Um, what, it, what the method does is, the, the when you walk out of the workshop, you're back into organizational structure. You're back into like Monday at like eight o'clock. You're back into like, uh, it's, you know, I'm back into work. That's the reality. But you're hoping that there's a ripple. You're hoping that there's some sort of change eventually. 
but if you if you use it too much too soon too mm-hmm. often it, it'll lose its its appeal we think mm-hmm. but the thing is that's only a hypothesis because nobody do you know of any organization who has done tra- transformation using lego series play and they can say after four months of continuous yeah. usage now we know that's when you stop this method isn't been used at all yeah it's it's i'm astounded that mm-hmm. when i first heard about lego series play I, I, I can't, like I said, I came from a construction background. I just thought, I don't care about the Lego. Mm. How, whatever the sales process is to convince adults to go into a room <laughs> and pay another person to play with Lego, that's what I need to learn because that sales person's technique is golden. Yeah. yeah. And then I, I started to learn about it and I thought, oh, okay, mm-hmm. there's something good about this. I thought it was just the sales pitch. Yeah. Whatever they were packaging up, I wanted to take that piece of it and bring it into a company. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. But even when I did my I did my um uh training in 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 Sydney um in 2017. Um, but I did it as part of my professional development um with work, and I was even so skeptical, you know, but I was I was more curious. Um, about doing the training I was like this is really interesting I'm going to be you know a certified Lego series play facilitator and obviously I knew from the academic side that I could bring it into the you know the you know classroom um, with students but from the corporation side and until I actually went through the process myself um, and even for myself as well um, you know build you know I was you know definitely at a transition stage in my career and I was you know, I had that opportunity over those, you know, five days to really start building out actually my thoughts. And I, at the end of the week, really came to a concrete decision that I knew that I actually had to move on mm-hmm. um, with my job. And I had to make some, I'm not saying that the training made me hand in my notice. I was saying that I was at a crossroads and it was very powerful that I was, you know, given an opportunity over five days to start really building out my thoughts and my identity and where I saw myself in five years in my career and where I saw myself in my role and I think that that's what's really important as well it's you're getting to see where you are in the organization but you're also getting to see where everybody else is and how everybody is connected to each other in the organization and each other's identity Um, like at one of the workshops that we delivered before there was a really interesting conversation with two really senior managers who had both worked together in the same building I think for like 15 years Mm -hmm. and when I was walking around the room I heard one of them say oh my god is that what you do I never knew you did that is that your job (laughs) and he said I never knew that that's what you did they were on the same building the same floor and, I, I, and it was at, you know, Lego sharing, yes, this is my job and this is what I do. And I just, it, it will always stay with me because I was like, wow, that's incredible. I, I think it goes back to when we spoke about adulting, how we're mm. not doing adulting very well. Yeah. We all think we've got it figured out in the workplace because we've got all of our magical methods and frameworks and it's all good. Um, we're not doing the simple stuff well. And this is where we're just saying, let's listen let's think a bit differently mm-hmm. let's realize that there are power structures and in-group biases let's not think of it as dark matter mm-hmm. think of it as the essence mm-hmm. the essence of the organization let's focus on that then everything else that's stacked on top of it will perform way better mm-hmm. but 
try like try and convince an organization yeah. to to commit to that transition like yeah. across and like we're getting there yeah but um again and you're also i suppose yeah. as well having a manager once again not feeling very comfortable putting their hands up saying i don't know all of the answers and i need to go to you know the junior levels of staff to help me out because for a lot of managers they're thinking i'm paid a big salary here i'm not going to go into the room and put my hands up and say i don't know all the answers i'm going to lose respect but it's the opposite what happens Mm -hmm. as a result you gain more respect because you're empowering everybody in the room and you're basically empowering them saying I care and I want to listen to you. And, you know, I really, truly value what you think. And, and I think that's so important. It's, it's the, the, the important part as well. I just not, not to get it lost that essentially what you're doing is you're building out a systemic view of whatever the main focus is. So it's the strategy. So it's different departments. And, you know, if you think of like World War II generals with their little pieces of wood on a table, that's essentially right. what you're yeah it's strategy work you're like you're so people are standing up and again if jane said like it's never lost on her the 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 like the fact that two people for 15 Mm -hmm. years don't know that that is increased sense making Mm -hmm. if i know what you do then if if something comes out from you know uh some client request or client issue or 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 the environment uh, the business environment economic environment um has changed now that I know what you do, the chances of me sending an email to, to maybe let you know yeah. or ask you a question. So we're increasing the sense-making capability of the team. And if it scales, you're increasing the sense-making capability of the organization. But oftentimes people think you, it's Lego. Like they just can't look past that. Mm-hmm. And we're saying, no, no, I've said it probably 10 times. That's the front end. That's the user interface. What about millions of years of why from mm. affective neuroscience, from Yak Pansep, who identified the play instinct as instinctual, why did we call it Mother Nature write down that source code? Like of all the things, like it, there, there's anger, fear, rage, lust, um, seeking, which is the baseline. And then Mother Nature went, let's put in play. That's really important. Like wh- Why? Why is it there? And people just go, I know about anger. Yep. Anger in the workplace. Oh, yeah. Fear in the workplace. Definitely. <laughs> you know, lust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Christmas parties. <laughs> I've been to a Christmas parties. The first I've been exactly. And then play. And people go, play in the workplace. No, no way. So you decided work. against the power of serious lust as your. Uh, <laughs> 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 lust, not so good. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> Can we end on that joke? That was <laughs> well. No, the um, I've got so, usually we haven't done this a long time, but I have a couple little words I write down. I've got four pages of my scribble oh, scrabble that I is that good or bad? It's good. It's good. good. Well, it it means that there's so many things that I'm just wanting to talk about, but we are we are. We have taken quite a bit of your time at this point. I just a couple of sort of thoughts sort of bring us back together. Um, well, one something, Ronan, you said about you know if if a if a business a company is if a business is having conversations and we can improve those conversations a few percent, man, that has been 
I've, I've almost been meditating on that since you sent it because how do we have our conversations often it's by email and what mm -hmm. a which works it works better if you have a great relationship like i guess almost all communication right and it made and so there and then now working from home not in the office wow we have all these things against us uh meaning that if we're going to have we can't how do we have better communications when we're not even with each other and then it occurred when you were talking about what we do team building normally it sounds like we use that's really then you describe the activities it sounds more like entertainment it wasn't play Lego play golf or uh, do this thing or that thing more entertainment which is mm -hmm. probably just looks it makes us it gives the appearance uh that we're getting along better but really we're just sort of whatever we're just tolerant it's a distraction tolerant. you're yeah. distracting each distraction. other so yeah. it's almost worse than doing nothing because yeah. it gives the illusion of of making some progress and i i feel like uh, one one here maybe you can see it i wrote uh, why not it's it's mysterious how this has not been picked up on more because something mm -hmm. that comes so natural to us as children and, and one and just in one more thought sorry i've told you i had all these things but when when so much of how we act and react to people if it's as you say um you know from millions of years of of programming the, it makes the play some of the play makes it it's like children especially little boys like to you know they like to play with toy guns like they're playing out these things yeah. that real adults do you know what take the guns away they'll use sticks take the sticks away they'll use your hand they'll use their hands they're you're you can take the the tool away but the but this whatever thing with this play it's uh it it's 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 wired into us and yeah, uh, so folks like you guys that have um, obvious so much training experience um, that can help folks use that have these better conversations. My goodness, I mean, I cannot, I, I cannot think of a better thing, quite frankly, mm -hmm. that a company could do than to to bring yeah. you guys in. It's um, I, I'm just. Thank Thanks. you so much. That means a lot. That's kind. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, especially obviously now more than ever. I think these conversations have to be had, mm. and they're needed. And teams need to feel connected. And you know, if a manager can, you know, get them in a unique environment and get them to connect in a meaningful way, I think that's going to be so powerful. Um, you know, post COVID. Yeah, and that, that that's something we will talk to. We we reframed COVID. Mm -hmm. because we've reframed play so serious play is essentially a paradox they don't exist on their own that's right it's serious and play that yeah and if you're if you're too far in one way like you're serious everyone leaves your company no one's yeah. going to take a risk forget innovation if you're too playful nothing gets done mm -hmm. so you're trying to you're trying to calibrate it so and this is where we think serious like lego serious play helps you to bring play in mm -hmm. also in terms of once you start to think about that it's was this pandemic a crisis or is it an opportunity? And whichever one of you said it is in terms of like, it's shifted now. The workplace now is a place where you better get creative work yeah. done because why are you dragging me in? I could be mm -hmm. in my pajamas, yeah. you know. There's, a, doing... there's, there's going to be an expectation, you know. So why do I need to be here when I can do this work at home? We think it's a critical time mm -hmm. for this method to be legitimized mm -hmm. and organizations because look, uh, quite honestly, I think HR struggle with, with multiple, multiple things over the crisis, 
But what they're also going to struggle with is like lots of people would champion the fact that we transitioned to being at home and the IT team stepped up and everyone got a laptop. That's good. But wait until you find out that nobody wants to go back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's going to be yeah. another yeah. crisis or Absolutely. it's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. There's an opportunity to say, you know what? We're doing things differently. Prove it. Mm-hmm. And you open a door and you're like, that's the CEO surrounded by Lego listening to people. Oh, that's pretty different. And it is going to be really hard for managers, you know, even with this, you know, hybrid model um, continuing, you know, as a manager, making sure that everybody in your team feels included, but then you're trying to get them to creatively problem solve. That's going to be bloody tough because that's, you know, very hard on a day-to-day basis in the office, but having to do that remotely with your team as a manager, that's going to be really, really tough. Can I, can I just acknowledge that Jane said the word bloody? Oh, okay. I'm, I'm the, I'm the, I'm, yeah. I'm the, I curse way too much. Yeah, I never and curse. In the, in the back of my head, I was like, don't, don't do any swear words. Just don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just call her out, yeah. everyone. We just, we can rewind that. I Even love it. It's not worse. We got it it's, a, it's a British swear word. So in America, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not, a, it's, not a real, it's not a real, it's not a real, it's not a real, yeah, it's not a real swear word. I, like. okay. I just wanted to catch her out because I've, yes. I've always been warned, like, don't, yeah, no f bombs, yeah, no, like, don't, like, oh, so we're yin and yang, by the you've way. Been, you've been very serious, you've been yes. very serious throughout the talk. So <laughs> if we were able to promise. convince you to come in next time, we're going to insist on some cuss words. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be one of the rules of engagement. Well, one last question. Um, If you know how Google has a little thing each time where they have a little special message of the day, if if you guys could have, if they let you put your own message for the whole world to see for one day, what would you put on there? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Be brave. Play. Very simple. Be brave. Play. I love it. I hate to bring this to an end because I've got a lot of more questions here, but we'll have to get to that later. It's just been so fantastic. Thanks, uh, Jane and uh, Ronan, for a great conversation. Thank you. Thanks for We love the mission. We love the the wisdom of play. You know, it's 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 there's something sad about it to me because it's something that we have naturally and we lose it, and that's definitely. And you guys are really honestly i mean we talk about innovation here but it feels like your mission is really a bit higher in that you talk a lot about feeling heard um having relationships being more authentic being braver it really feels uh, it feels like you guys you're taking it's almost a nobler mission than just than just innovation so thank thanks for what you guys are putting out into the world it's been a pleasure it's been great thank you so much jonathan thank you and the very best of luck with your phd Thanks. (laughs) Well, that concludes today's Product Quest podcast. Please please send any comments or ideas for future shows to productquestpodcast at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.